Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Such a pleasure to be here again in Burlington. And I'm so happy I came uh, just in time to see the... uh, Bible study period with the younger ones, and um, of course conducted by Pastor Murray, and then later on the Bible study done by uh, Pastor Adrian, which of course I really um, thoroughly enjoyed too. And uh, of course just the richness of the, the messages and the teaching and the training that... Um, you know, we're all benefited uh, by because of the work of our pastors here. I want to really commend and to thank them for the work they're doing. Of course, the music program is very strong. I thoroughly enjoyed the uh, musical items and presentations. And I just want to, in coming here, to add a word of encouragement to you, the Brethren who come week after week, this faith that you have is so valuable. I don't think there's anything else that we have in life that is as critical and as valuable to us as this faith which we defend. It's so rare. Um, Pastor Davis made mention of the fact that it's just a mere handful, very few people that have the privilege of this faith and in so many places we are seen as a cult. We are seen as really people who are irrelevant to what is called Christianity today. But we are, no, we are assured and we know by the word of God that what we do one day It is going to be something that every human being on this planet will have to do. This is a truth that they will have to believe. And that is why we spend so much time in the scriptures. And that is why, too, I'm here today, because that idea of getting every human being to be a part of the faith that was once and for all delivered unto the saints is something that begins now. It began, of course, during the time of the Old Testament. It continued during the time that Christ was on the earth and after his departure by the apostles and the disciples. And it is something that we carry on today We cannot see ourselves in isolation of the work that was done by Abraham all the way through Moses, all the way through the prophets, by Jesus Christ, and, of course, by the Church of God uh, subsequent to the time of the apostles. We have to see that the same work that we are carrying on And the strong message that came out of the Bible study, which showed just what they had to go through to get this faith 
to protect it and to keep it going. We today have this responsibility. And the question is really, to what extent are we carrying that banner well? To what extent, how do we compare with those of previous centuries, going all the way back to the apostles, in looking at us and looking at what we are doing and how we are doing, what is God's evaluation? How does he see it? And uh, are we, do we have a sense of how well we are doing and how well we compare? That is what brings us to the topic of my presentation today. The presentation was supposed to have been a, a PowerPoint presentation. We will not be utilizing that means because I wanted you to kind of get a glimpse of some of the thoughts in the scriptures that, um, you know, to, to visually look at it while we talk about it. The duty, the Christian duty of witnessing. That speaks, in a sense, very clearly to the point we are trying to make, which is that witnessing is a duty. But is it really? And what is your opinion? How do you see it? Are you, do you share in that view? Or is it that, well, it is something optional? For many years, the Church of God has, as a bastion, the, the Church of God, which is the pillar and foundation of truth, has done well in maintaining the truth of the gospel. But to the extent that it has trained its members to become witnesses, and to enable them, to empower them, to equip them, to be able to go out to take this message to others, I do not think we have done so well. I want to just run by you a little true and false. I want just um, give you three, so to speak, uh, statements which... You tell me if this is true or this is false. The Bible requires all Christians to be witnesses for Christ. In your mind, is that true or is it false? Anyone? You're not sure, right? It's true? Is there anyone here who thinks it's not so true? Not all Christians. Some. Okay, let's try another one. Active witnessing for Christ strengthens us spiritually and enables us to become better Christians. True or false? True. Okay. All right. Am I to take it that those who do not answer do not believe it's true? Or, Or your silence is consent to that? Okay, good. So your silence is consent. Okay, let's ask the third one. Statistics done among churches show 
that those who come into churches, people who come into churches, and this is sort of general now about churches, as we have them out there, the people who come into churches do so primarily because of the influence of, listen to these choices now, uh, if you can note them. One, the pastor. Two, an evangelistic meeting. Three, worship services. Four, media, internet. Five, a friend or relative. Which of these five do you think the statistics gives the highest score for bringing people into the church? Make a guess. Five? Okay. Five? Five? Pardon? Uh, yes. In other words, it, it's still a friend, right? It's a friend through an internet. In other words, a friend may use the telephone to call them or, yeah, or speak to them face to face. But yes, okay. But when we say internet, we are thinking that the internet is, is the origin of, okay? But it originated with a friend. So you are saying five, two. Okay. Okay. So it seems we have a consensus there. So there's no need for a servant. <laughs> I think you have you've hit it spot on. You've hit it spot on. But let us go to the scriptures. And let us see really how this works. Because at the end of this presentation, what we want to have is to be of one mind. We want to have a consensus around whether it is individually or duty each one of us, to be an active. Now, you have the the concept of a passive witness and an active witness. And some people say, well, I'm a witness because, you know, I try to live a life that people can see and therefore, and that's good. But that's kind of what we call the passive. In other words, people observe, they see you, but you never talk to them. There's the active, which is the means of deliberately seeking out to interact with people in order to lift up the name of Jesus Christ to them. So, that's really the aim at the end of this presentation. I'd like for us to come to one mind on this issue. And so, I'd like for you to ask any questions that you think might not seemingly be what the scriptures are saying or you may have some doubt on it. But what I'm going to be bringing forth are four things. One is why Christian witnessing is vitally important, why it is mandatory, why it is a requirement, it is not an option. The second point is why your involvement as a believer is absolutely necessary. That you are the primary agent God is using to reach the world. And thirdly, 
that there are personal benefits. That by, by denying or failing to be an active witness for Jesus Christ, we are robbing ourselves of a vital source of spiritual growth. That we are not only neglecting to do what God has commanded us, we are also undermining our own development spiritually. And then, number four, I want us to discuss some methods and some techniques. How to do it. Because at the end of the day, what we would like to have are persons who are beginning to act in accordance with the scriptural command for us to be witnesses. Not only to know it, but to do it. So what we're going to really have is an activation of the church into personal witnessing. Activating the church into personal witnessing. Now I want to show you how important this matter of personal witnessing is. And um, it is just by coincidence. Pastor Davis and I did not speak about let us convert around these scriptures. But I, I was just blown away, amazed by the fact that we were right on, spot on, with what I think is the central scripture to the presentation. And that is Acts 8.1. Because Acts 8, it was read also as the text, uh, verses 1, and then we'll step into verse 4. And I want you to think about this text in addition to what uh, Pastor David said. I want us to think about it in the context of witnessing and evangelism. It says in verse 1, On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. Something that we are not unfamiliar with in terms of what is going to be happening to the church in the end times. This is just another along the way of persecutions upon God's people. And it's very interesting, the point, and all except the apostles were scattered. This is a very important statement to be made here because had this statement not been here it would have what follows could have been misunderstood. It could have been that well they were all scattered and you think that well all the apostles and all you know were there with them. So when it comes to the point of saying and they preached the gospel. One could say, well, yeah, the apostles continue to do what they normally do. But that's not the case. It says, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And of course, it shows how Philip was part 
of that. The first thing I want to look at is that if all except the apostles were scattered, consider against the background of the incidents of the recent problems. It's a kind of a scattering. It's a kind of a persecution. When in the worldwide church of God came a leader who no doubt was planted by the enemy and brought a halt to the teachings of the church, introduced a series of false teachings, and so the church became scattered. There was this big split off. The larger portion went into apostasy. And the rest didn't know what to do. There was confusion, and so there was splintering, scattering. Today it is estimated there may be about 500 different groups of little groups of people. 12 here, 5 there, 10 there, 20 there in the church of God. And notice the idea of preaching the gospel where they went speaks volumes for us. It tells us that, look, these persons were equipped for, the, for, the, for the, the persecution. They were equipped for the scattering. In other words, during the time of the church, when we see that the church was growing all along, what Acts 8 reveals is that it was more than the work of the apostles that was impacting the growth of the church. You would not have known this had it, if, if, if Acts 8, if this persecution did not break out. Because we would have been of the view that, well, the apostles were doing a great work and, you know, they were going out and they were preaching and so on. It is only because of this persecution we are now learning, oh my goodness, you mean the members could preach? The members could go out and be witnesses? Contrast that with what happened to the Worldwide Church of God again. That what really happened is that persons, a vast number, defected, which means that they did not have a sound understanding of what they believed. That's one. They did not. So the equipping of the saints there was something wrong in our structure where the saints were probably believing things because they thought this was a good teacher. And therefore they held on to it because this is a great teacher. But now that the teacher has gone, Jesus said, I will strike the head and the sheep will scatter. So now that Mr. Armstrong, who through the many years kept this body going with teaching and so on, now we are understanding it didn't really trickle down into the minds and the hearts and into the convictions where people were holding on to it and taking hold of it on an individual basis. That was not happening. Instead, 
they just hoped that this man would stay alive and that his son would have succeeded him and it would continue like that. But that was not to be. God had something else in order to bring to clear evidence or visibility the fact that you did not have the vast majority of the body was not equipped to go out and to defend. Because what we are seeing here is that the scattering of the, of the, of the, of the brethren is also a big statement against the church in the first century too. Christ had told them that they were to go out. So they too had a problem. They were to go out into many other areas and to preach. But you know, Jerusalem was so comfortable a place. And the Jews, which were, they were mostly Jewish Christians, they just thought that this is for us. Our Messiah, he is a Jew. And we need to keep this among ourselves. And God would have caused something to happen that forced them to go out into areas where they were now finding themselves among people who were not Jews. And they had to preach to them and teach them. So they too had their shortcomings. But the bottom line is that we are to be equipped, the church is to be equipped so that whatever happens in the church, wherever we find ourselves, each one of us is capable of preaching and teaching and witnessing. That's really what it is. The purpose of the ministry is to equip the saints for work of service. That is really what the ministry is for. The ministry cannot live an individual's life for them, their salvation. It becomes a very individual and personal matter. But the ministry must equip the saints for works of service. Equip them for witnessing. Equip them for evangelism. And so on. And so, if we go over here, What we are seeing is the readiness and ability of the saints to go out and to be witnesses. And that they really, they really were fearless. They really had the courage, as, as uh, Pastor Davis clearly made out this morning. I would ask you, what if today something of this nature, we don't know what may happen in a matter of another year of today. What do you think would be your situation? Would you be someone, despite the breaking up, despite the fact that your pastors are no longer with you? Because that's what happened to this church. The apostles were not with them. So they didn't have that constant figure of leadership with them. They were all alone. 
They were under threat. To what extent do you think you would be that person? You are sufficiently equipped not just to go home and to be safe, but to go out into the communities wherever you find yourself and to be able to be witness for Christ. Did that witnessing start at the time of the persecution? Or did it begin during the time that the church was growing and therefore they were practicing and it is because of that practice they were able to go out and to do this during the time of persecution? I ask those questions because I want to, as best as possible, drive home the point that it is vital now, it is vital right as we speak for each of us to develop that mindset that, you know what, an important part of my responsibility, my duty as a Christian is to equip, be equipped and to be practicing as a witness for Christ. Turn with me, please, to Romans 10, verse 9. Romans 10, verse 9. How does one become a Christian? This is one of the clear explanations in the, in the, in the, in the, in the scriptures. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's a loaded statement. We won't go into it. Confessing your mouth, it goes on to say, but it explains about confession and so on. But I want to just step down to verse 14 for the brevity of time. Listen to this. So, okay, you confess and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. But here is the point. How then shall they call on the one they have not believed in. So, in other words, it, it sounds very easy. You confess to the amount of the Lord Jesus, you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you can't be saved. The question, how, how does one come to that confession? How does it happen? And then it goes on. And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? There is a need for individuals to hear in order to believe. It goes on. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? These are very critical questions. You make it sound easy. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God has risen from the dead, thou shalt be saved. But, but have you thought about these things? And how can they preach unless they be sent. And then it says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. What this statement clarifies for us is that Christian witnessing is the means by which God reaches people. Christian witnessing is a means by which God reaches people. And the members of God's church are called to be witnesses. Turn, please, 
Let's go over to Matthew 28. This is what you would call the, the, the corporate command. Matthew 28, verse 19. Here is the command to the whole church. So this is a command to the body, to the church. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. All things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. So the church is to go out, is to preach, to baptize, get people, they come to repentance and they are baptized, and then to teach them, continue to teach them as they go along. <clears throat> now that's the big command. But here is how it trickles down now to us as individuals, to each one of us. And, and Jesus, Jesus spoke about this by, 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 by making a point about the urgency, the urgency and the need for witnessing. Look now in Luke 10, verses 2. And three. Luke chapter 10, verses 2 and 3. So that is a big command to the church. Now Jesus is going to give you a little breakout here. To show you that this is not just about a church being in one place. And just doing its thing. But it's going to be something where it is, it is global. Jesus said, The harvest is plentiful. And the workers are few. We have a crisis on our hand. We have a problem on our hand. I want to bring it to your attention. And this is what Jesus was saying to, to, to his, his followers. There's a dilemma. A large harvest, very few workers. And then he said, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Those workers are the members of God's church. Those are the persons who you see after the scattering took place who went out to do some work. And then, in verse 3, he says, Command, just as we have, Go ye therefore into all the world, now you're having another go. Go. I am sending you. But this time it sounds even harder. I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. You know, it's a very tough statement. I think this, this would make anyone... It's like threatening. Lamb among wolves? That's not easy to digest. But you know what's good? Christ does not hold back from telling us the truth. And he wants us to be aware that being witnesses for Christ is not a walkover. It is not something where you're going to find people, oh, I'm so glad you're here. You're a Christian. I know you people believe in love. No. It's lamb going among wolves. One such wolf was Saul. He was eating them up. He was killing them. He was arresting them. But in the midst of that wolf, 
devouring the sheep of God, there was something that was already beginning to penetrate. He was saying, how can the people be so courageous? How can the people be so resilient? There was a witness. There was a witness. It was not just the knocking down of Paul. There was a preparation. Because God always prepares those who he's calling so that when the gospel comes to them, their minds can receive it. Paul was dealing with these people. He said, wow, where did, where did these folks come from? What is it they know that I don't know? The witnessing was taking place. The lamb and the wolves were clashing. And it happened that Paul himself eventually came into the faith. There's an urgency for this. So in speaking to you today, an important point I want to bring across is that we don't have time. There's no time to wait. It is instant. In fact, we are in arrears. We should have been doing this a long time ago. And you know what? God will understand if now we realize the urgency, we get up and we begin to act. But what he will not understand is how after we it is made clear, the urgency is made clear, we still think we should not. That is a problem. And that is why I said, you know, it's important for us to be of one mind. I'd like to at least be able to hear why this is not something we must do. Why this is not a biblical command. Why it is not a requirement. Why we can go about living our Christian lives and not witnessing to others about Jesus Christ. Not sharing our faith. It is not an option. It is a command. Turn with me please to Acts 1.8. Christ not only sends us out as lambs. We are lambs but we are lambs that are empowered. We are lambs that are given power to do the work of witnessing. In Acts, 8, uh, in Acts 1 verse 8, did I say 8 1? Acts 1 8. Jesus said this before departing. These were some of the very last words he left with them. He said to them, Wait here in Jerusalem. You'll remember all of that. And, um, until I send the, the Holy Spirit. But he goes on and says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power. These are not lambs without wisdom. These are not lambs without courage. These are not lambs who lack a vision that they are stronger than the wolves. These are lambs who understand that they have God's very power in them. The supreme power dwells in the lambs. 
But notice the reason for giving them the power is very important. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to go and speak in tongues. To, to go, to go and, and do healing. To go and do all these many things. That's not what's written there. The primary reason he is stating here for giving the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses. That's the reason we have the power. Now, if we have the Spirit of God and the reason for receiving that Spirit is to enable us to be witnesses for Christ. You know, one could say it's equivalent to what Christ said in the parable about those who were given the talents, were given the various talents, and some just put it down and say, Master, I know you're a man who wants to reap where you do not sow, so therefore I put down your talent. I'm not going to use it. Or it could be termed to be a kind of a fraudulent situation where we take, we take this power, but what are we doing with it? Using it in ways that may not be in the way Christ has said it here. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That is why he had to scatter them. Because they were there in, in Jerusalem and they were in Jerusalem and they were in Jerusalem. But it didn't say Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends Limitless of the earth. So that the purpose of our witnessing is to go out and to reach people beyond our immediate environs. You know, we, we are far more equipped than the apostles who, in order to go see somebody, they had to travel miles, miles, take a sailboat and the boat is really is the wind that they were depending on to hit those sails to take the boat along. We can pick up our telephone and we can send our emails and we can take maybe a vehicle that can get us there in 100 times faster than they could get around. This is the reason we have God's Spirit. A primary reason to be witnesses for Him. So, if we say we have the Spirit of God in us, because the Scriptures say, if we have not the Spirit of God, we are none of His. We are saying, no, 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 no. I know I belong to Christ. I know that I have the Spirit. Well, here is a key reason you and I have the Spirit of God. To be witnesses for him. We can't escape it. It's not something we can escape. Turn please to Mark 5 and verse 19. Jesus healed this man. 
Mark 5 verse 19. And after he healed him, here is what he told the man. Return to your house and describe what great things the Lord has done for you. Return to your house and describe the great things that the Lord has done for you. Our first client, if you may, our first target is just where the people among whom we live. To what extent have we taken the time out to describe the great things that God has done for us to our relatives, family members, siblings, or just name the number of people. It didn't say that by you doing this, they're going to believe. It didn't say that they're going to jump and they're going to be doing all kind of great things. All you have to do, it is God who gives the increase. We must go and we must describe. At school, among your schoolmates. At work, among your co-workers, among our neighbors, to describe the great things that God has done for us. Go home. Return to your house. It's wonderful. You've been healed. You've come in contact with Christ. Christ has done marvelous things for you. Is it marvelous enough to share? Or are we thinking, it's not so much. Nobody will be impressed. Well, Christ says, Go home. So our families becomes one of the important target group that God wants us to relate to. Look at Luke 14, verse 23. This is, a, is, a, is, is um, where we, we pull our, our very powerful song for the feast from. All things are ready. Come to the feast. It says in verse 23, Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways, the hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. God wants his house to be filled. God wants to fill his house. My house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. We know that God is not saving everyone now. But we know that God is saving a lot of people. God is calling a lot of people. But the missing element is what we are supposed to be doing as witnesses. And for, for too long, the idea that, well, God is not calling everyone. And, you know, this sort of approach to it. And therefore, I don't really have to go do that. Because he's not calling everyone now. It's not the answer. We do not know who God is calling. Therefore, we are required to share with everyone. So that somewhere along the line, my sheep knows my voice. And will respond. But we don't know who the persons are. As again, in, in the Bible study. Where, uh, Pastor Davis made the point that there is the invisible. There is an invisible side. 
to each of one of us. There's something we are all not seeing. So, I can't go and say, well, God is not calling this person. Or God is not calling that one. I have no authority. I have no way of doing that. What I have to do is to share with them what the Lord has done for me. So, the idea of really going out and witnessing for Christ is a biblical... It, it, there's so many areas of the scriptures. We can't go into all of them. Turn with me, please, to Luke 10. Let's just look at this one quickly. It is not just the 12. It is everybody. It is everyone that he, de- he sent out. This here in Luke 10, verse 1, it says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. That is how, that is how this came about. He was sending them out in droves to go to their houses and in order for them to witness and to bring him to the many, many people who were not hearing about him. So, here is a question. How do I go about witnessing? How is it done? Are there, are there things I must begin to do and how can I begin to start? Because it's not something I've been doing all along. So, you know, it is, it is sometimes not very easy to start doing something that we were just not accustomed to. It's not, it's not my culture. You know, I'm, I'm not, it's not so easy for me to talk with people because there, there, there are reasons why we don't witness. There are re- reluctances to witnessing. Sometimes we are not very outgoing people. It's just not our nature. It's not that I'm not, I don't love God. It's not that I'm not a great Christian. It's just that I'm not the kind of person who talks. I don't like rejection. I don't like going to talk to people and it's as though I'm imposing on them. You know, so I prefer to leave, leave that alone. I don't want to create enemies because people may think now that, you know, I'm very intrusive and, you know, it may create a lot of issues. Um. I'm not a person that, you know, maybe I start a discussion and then people start asking me questions and I can't answer them and I'm going to be embarrassed. So, so there, there are many reasons. And, and maybe if I were to ask you, you know, what are some of the reasons you think that people are reluctant to, to, to witness, to, to go out and to do this? Because we see the scriptural command, but there are personal issues why we may not feel that... We're ready for this. You know, what, what are some of the reasons? Maybe you can, we can have a little discussion here that you think make people reluctant. Yes, you want to go first, Brad? Pardon? Embarrassment. Embarrassment, yes. Yes. You don't want to create animosity. And it can be controversial. You know, you don't want to get into an argument. You're very loving, peaceful. You know, you don't want to now get where there's a conflict or so. Yes, Pastor. Absolutely. There you are. So the training, you know, was not there. And so we have grown up in this culture where, yes? So for, 
There you are. There you are. Yes. There you are. Very, very good. You know, look, I don't want my friends to come here because I myself don't like coming here. <laughs> you know? Yes, yes. Good point. That's right. You're just shy. You're, it's just nature. It's not that you're a bad person. I just, this is not only in witnessing. I'm like this generally. From when I was in school, I, I was a shy person. Yes, it's a natural thing. Yes. A lack of knowledge. I don't believe I know enough. And I don't want to go out and make myself a fool. So I prefer to just be quiet. Okay? So those are some reasons. And I'm sure there are others that you would have that would cause you to not want to go out there. I want to start by saying this. It doesn't happen just overnight where we are all equipped. But it will not happen if we don't begin. And therefore, the first thing we're going to have to resolve is, you know what? I'm going to take the, make the bold move of beginning to develop the skills, the understanding, the courage for personal witnessing. A decision, first of all, has to be made. You don't start yet. You're not quite there yet. But at least that decision has to be made. Because unless that point, unless we make that decision to ourselves, we'll never get started. So my question to you today is, seeing how much emphasis the scriptures place upon the subject of personal witnessing and the requirement for each one of us to be witnesses for Jesus Christ, can we resolve individually in our hearts to say, you know what, this is now a new area of my Christian life, I'm now going to take a decision that I'm going to pursue it. I want to know more about it. I want to talk more about it. I want to read more about it. I want to understand things I need to do and how I am to do them, how I can do them. And therefore, it is going to be one of the things I want, I'm going to be talking about more. It's one of the things, as, as members... And as a body, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about more and more how to be good witnesses for Jesus Christ. You know, amazingly, in the secular world, people who belong to various clubs and various organizations, they have what they call their membership drive and their membership committees and their membership this and that. And, and they, they know how to go out. They have programs well, you know what? This was long before any of that began. God's call, God's call for us to go out and to be witnesses did not begin in the New Testament. God said of Israel that they were to be a light to the nations. They were to be a light to the nations. Abraham was promised the nations. The idea of reaching the nations 
You go back to Genesis 11 and you see where, after all of what happened in the flood and with Noah and so on, a listing of the nations in, Ex- in, in, in Genesis 11, and then in Genesis 12, God calls Abraham. In other words, God identified the need for the nations and then began the work in Abraham. So he said, through you, I will bless all nations. And that is why the scriptures say, so if you're Christ, you're Abraham's seed. Because it is through you that Christ is reaching the nations. Because it's through Abraham that all the nations are going to be blessed. And those who are Abraham's seed are part of the covenant of Abraham. So this thing is deep. This thing is big. This thing is fundamental. This thing is very basic. And we each have to go there. We also have to understand that there are personal benefits. There are ways in which we benefit personally. As witnesses. A person who is an active witness versus one who is not. You will find that the one who is an active witness is growing much stronger spiritually. Why? Because when we take on the job of witnessing, we, first of all, it gives us a greater meaning. We, we have a greater purpose. We, we don't see ourselves as just being for ourselves. We see ourselves as working towards other people. We see ourselves with the heart of Jesus Christ, where the scriptures say, God so loved the world. We see ourselves loving people and wanting to share with them the good news of salvation. That is one of the, the, the traits of Jesus Christ that we ought to portray. That he died for them. We are just asked to bring him to them. And that is an important. Our lives take on greater purpose and meaning when we become witnesses for Christ. Secondly, when we become witnesses for Christ, we now listen more purposefully to the teachings of the church. Why? Because we are listening with utility in mind. We are listening in order to utilize what we are listening. We are listening because we want to now be able to impart. And therefore, we will even be asking more questions in church. Because we want to know more in order to go out to properly represent. So the idea of not knowing enough and being embarrassed That is what the church is for, to equip us so that we can go out and and to to be witnesses. And for that reason, this is one of the great benefits. But probably the greatest benefit of witnessing, and I find this, I experience it personally. You know, this has been really part of what I I very actively engage in. And I find that the more that I am seeking to explain and teach others, because I am in a mold of trying to help others to understand, I benefit from understanding more. Because I am seeking to share with others, I go more deeply into what I am reading or studying because I I find the need to be able to answer questions. So I, 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 I deepen my study. 
So it is a driver for me to grow richly and deeply into the word. I find that those are some of the benefits of witnessing. But the method that we would use, well, what is really being a witness? Sometimes we become intimidated. Do you know that being a witness for Christ is not, is not primarily going out to explain doctrines? It's not. It's not being able to go out and to tell people all these theological things and so on. That's not what a witness is. A witness really is someone who can attest to the truth about a particular circumstance. That's what witnesses are for in court. When you call a witness in court and you put them on the stand, you're calling them to speak. That is why they swear. I swear. And of course they swear to the Bible. And the idea is that you're going to speak the truth and that truth is going to bring conviction to someone. So, the real thing about witness is to be able to speak truthfully about Jesus Christ. And the primary area of witnessing is what Christ has done in your life. The primary area of witnessing as against evangelism generally, personal witnessing, is that you know what? I have come to know Jesus Christ. And in coming to know him, this is how my life has been impacted. I can speak authentically. There's no one who is more authentic than you to speak about how Christ has impacted your life. Nobody has that story. That's unique. You are very special. You are exceptional. You have a story, a personal understanding, a personal encounter, a personal experience with Christ that you can share in the way no one else can share. And you know what? People are more attracted to that than you coming to tell them about the Sabbath. You don't start with the Sabbath. You started just what has happened to you. The Sabbath and all the teachings will come later on. But there are people who they are looking for answers. They want contentment. They want peace of mind. They want hope. They want to have to be in a place in life that makes life meaningful. And your story is really what matters. You look at John, uh, in John 1, 1 John 1. 1 John 1, and look, let's look at verse, uh, verses, um, it's really verses 1 to 3, but I'm going to pick up where he says, John is saying this, that which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, Here's how he, he, in other words, he's being a witness. That which we have seen with our eyes, that we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. In his case, he met Jesus personally, 
he was able to speak in as precise a term as that. But do you know that the Jesus said, blessed are those who have seen and have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and believed. There is a way in which the reality of Christ's work in our lives can be more concrete and formidable. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In which we can be formidable witnesses to others about Christ. In a troubled world where people are not certain about what is happening, we can invite them. You know what? It's been now about what three years I've been I came to understand some things that has totally changed my life. You know, I was this frustrated person. I, I felt myself so almost just aimless, hopeless. You know, there were even times when I, I, I felt suicidal. I just don't know what was going on. Because the more, the more I try, the more I ask the question, what is this for? And then one day, I heard this, and I, I, I decided to go and read the scriptures for myself. And then I began to understand some things. Then I be, it began to make sense. When, when people hear those kind of stories, they listen. They, they don't believe that you're coming to, to push your religion on them. Because you're simply sharing your life story, your personal story. And that's what John is doing here. That which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. He's speaking it, about it from his perspective. So today, we are experiencing Christ in different ways. And what we need to do, therefore, to be good witnesses is to be able to write our story. And that's what I want to challenge you to do. I would like for you to take some time in your own quiet moment, and begin to write your story. What has Christ done for me? How can I, what can I tell others about what Christ has done for me? I may be telling people about, you know, it is important to keep these feast days, it's important to, you know, to know that Christmas must not be kept. For, but what can I tell them about what Christ has done for me? Has Christ done anything for me? Come to think of it. Really? Well, you know what? Maybe we have not thought about that enough. And that's where we need to start thinking. Because that is a story that is going to make others want to listen to you. That is a story that doesn't need to be a difficulty. That's a story that you will not be embarrassed. That's a story where nobody can ask you any questions that you can't answer. You can answer every question. You're authentic. Your story. 1 John 5 and verse 10. If you don't want to write, look for it, I'll just read it for you. Those who believe in the Son of God have the testimony of God in them. Let's repeat that again. Those who believe in the Son of God have the testimony of God in them. Once we come to believe in Christ, we have a testimony. We need to clarify our testimony. 
Your testimony is the story of how you began with Christ and how Christ made that major difference in your life. It's a story that you just think about day by day. It's a story that you share day by day. It's a story that many others will come to know. And you know what? There are many people who will be able to tell you from various areas of Christianity, oh, I have a story too. That's okay. That's okay. Because that is a door opener. That is where we find a common ground. That is where we find a common ground because you're saying you have a story, you know Christ, and I'm saying I have a story, I know Christ, and therefore you and I have something that we can talk about. The question is, this is where it becomes a little deeper. You know, there are some things I'm learning, and I'd I'd like to invite you. You know, next week my pastor is going to be speaking on, or we have a guest who is going to be coming to speak on something, and you know, I just thought about you because I know that you love God. I know you are, you're, you're so God-fearing and godly in your way. I, I, I know you would not want to miss something like this. Because I know that you, you know that the, the path of the just is like a light shining brighter and brighter, and you want to know. You want to know more. And therefore, you can invite people. But you know what that story that you told them did? It built a relationship. And that is why people tend to respond to others who, with whom they have a good relationship. You'll find that most of the people who will come into the church because of anyone is because they have a good relationship. They like the person. They, they think that this person is someone they would like to draw a little closer to. So it doesn't begin so much with the, with the hard doctrines. It begins with a personal story. And that's what we want to tell them. Make a note to a first Peter two and verse nine. Um, you know, he, he he makes this point very clearly. He says, To do his work and to speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made. You know, that, that is the the essence of what he says there. So Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. That's where we began. And if you and I are going to be witnesses for Christ, we must be able to develop that story about ourselves. So let us, let us now see some points that we can use to develop our story. And very quickly, I'm going to be closing in about under 10 minutes. What has God taught you from failure? You want to write a story? Think about it. What has God taught me from failure? Where I find myself failing. And how has God strengthened me? How has Christ's word strengthened me? What has God taught me from a lack of money? That I am I'm down to my, you know, I just don't know where the next penny is coming from. I, I lost my job. I have so many bills to pay. I, I, I feel like really... I'm, I'm, I'm in such a dilemma. What have you learned? What has God taught you from that? What has God taught me from pain or sorrow or depression? I've reached the point where I'm, I'm so depressed, I, I, I just stopped talking to everybody. I'm not relating to anybody anymore. And I went into that deep depression. What did you learn? 
How has Christ strengthened you in those circumstances? What has God taught you through illness or through patience or through um, the, the, the others who hate you and, and treat you badly? What has God taught you through disappointment? You've been disappointed. You've been betrayed. What, these are stories that people want to hear. You know, my closest friend for over 20 years was this gentleman or this lady. You know, I, I, I trusted her so much. I trusted him so much. You know, th- these are some of the things we used to do. These are the things I used to, we used to share. These are, I couldn't believe it when people listened to those things. They listen to those stories. And it is those stories that you can come back and you can say what the Lord has done for me and how he has strengthened and opened up my life. This is the basis on which you can invite friends to church because you are into that kind of conversation with them. It is these softer things that touches their hearts and cause them to want to hear more from you and want to come to to, to, to church with you and listen to what is being said. So, here's what you can do. Begin by listing the names. And, you know, I did bring a few pieces of paper and said I would have just given you a few sheets of paper and said, I don't, you don't need to share it with me. But I just wanted you right here today to write down the names of five persons, just five, who you know. Maybe one is a family member. Maybe the other is a co-worker. Maybe the other is just a professional who you have come in touch with and you've been dealing with. This is a person who provides certain services or so to you. Maybe the other one is just is a neighbor. Maybe one is an old classmate of yours. But just think about it. Do you know that you are capable of sitting down and writing down a list of names. And if you just go and you've written down the first five, you go back and, oh, I left. How could I forget her? How could I forget him? And you just find yourself adding, adding, adding. Why don't you put a list of names of people who you know on paper and look at it? See, you know, I know all these people. Am I being selfish? Does this faith mean so much to me? Do I think it is such a great faith? How, how have I not even shared it? How have I not even mentioned it? What's going on? Yet I'm supposed to be a witness for Christ. Why not develop that list? So there are two things you're going to do. You're going to develop that list and you're going to write your testimony. You're going to write your story. And put them together. And then begin discussing it among ourselves as brethren. Because testimonies help not only when we testify outside, but do you know you have testimonies that can strengthen members in the church? Do you know if you share some of what you've been through and you were to to share with members of the church how much you don't know what that person is going through and your testimony is uniquely great way of helping someone else? So there's so much that you have, so much resource that God has given to you. If you have Christ, then you have the testimony of Christ in you. And that is for both you 
and me. If you and I do those things and we start, because this is just the starters. This is just the starters. And we begin to work more and we say, look, I really want to begin to be an active witness for Christ. Once you do that work, Christ will add to his church. That's how it works. Christ has us as ambassadors. We are like the aroma of Christ to other people. When they see us, they see Christ. When we, they talk with us, they're talking with Christ. And that's how he wants us to represent him to them. I hope we can make a commitment. I hope we can say, you know what, I'm going to do this in such a demonstrable way. That there is, a, there is an outreach coming up here on the 28th of November. It's right in the season when a lot of people are in cheerful spirits and they're looking forward to Christmas. And we want to share a little bit with them about Christmas, what it means. And maybe if we begin to develop that relationship, it may open the way for us to invite individuals. But make in that list of five or ten persons that you write down, take off maybe two or three that the 28th of November you would like to invite them here. You're going to find a way to so build the relationship that it's easy for them to want to come. You know, there's some people who would call you and say, listen, I'm going shopping. You, 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 let's go together. I say, okay, I'm coming. You know what? I, I'm, I'm going to watch this game and so on. How about you? Yeah, okay, I'll do it. We invite people to other places. Listen, can you come over for dinner tomorrow? Why not? We have ways of getting people to come to things that we are doing. Think of the way in which you can talk to two or three people. Each one of us. If it turns out to be one that comes after speaking to three, that's okay. But don't fail to speak to less than three. And invite them over. And tell them it's going to be great. Tell them, look, it, it may be just something for some more information. It may, it may just help you to see another perspective. But I'm inviting you over. And bring them over. You're going to be surprised to see how God is going to use you and how you're going to begin a work and how people are going to be blessed through you. Through you, I will bless all nations. Through Abraham's seed, God is going to bless so many others. Let us begin the work and allow God to give the increase. I thank you for being so patient. I thank you for listening. And I trust that we each will act on these suggestions. May the Lord bless you. Amen. This has been a podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. We hope you are blessed by it. To find out more about CGI Burlington, visit our website at cgiburlington.org.